0: Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality one earthling at a time. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me on Life on Earth podcast today and joining our listeners and our community. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: (laughs) Where are you in the world today?
1: I'm joining you from Mexico City. Very cool. Have you been there for a little bit? Yeah, so I've been living here for a little over six months now.
0: Mm. Nice. I love Mexico.
1: Mexico City is an incredible city, so I definitely recommend it.
0: Yeah, and I uh, lived in Mexico for many years when I was younger, so I agree with you full on there. It was one of my favorite spots to live. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: I'm originally from Western Canada, a small town outside of Calgary, Alberta. And I, I was kind of on a very conventional path until I was in my early 20s when I graduated university with a business degree. And my partner, Ryan, and I decided to go on a like a post-college backpacking trip around the world. So we spent six months going through... Uh, Western Europe, Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. And that trip really opened my eyes to what the world was like and the people that were out there and all the different things that people were doing with their lives. And it gave me this idea for the first time ever that maybe I could do something different than what I'd always thought, which was just get a jobs, something in business since that was my degree and work my way up the corporate ladder and buy a house and get married and have kids. But when we got home, we were dirt broke. We had no money left from this trip. And so we just hopped into corporate jobs and ended up working those for a couple of years before we really confirmed that, okay, this is not what we want to be doing with our lives. So we sold our stuff, quit our jobs and went to South America for six months. And it was on that trip that we decided, okay, we've got to make a change. Like this just is isn't serving us. Like we can't go home and do the same thing that we did before. And we actually started a travel podcast at that point. Mm -hmm. We're like, maybe we'll, become famous travel bloggers or something. And that's how we'll travel the world forever. We moved to a tiny mountain town and I started working for Lululemon. I got my yoga teacher training, started managing a yoga studio and just started really diving into things that interested me. And instead of worrying about, you know, how much is this paying or what is this going to look like on my resume in 10 years? It was just like, what do I really want to try and do? What am I interested in? And that really set me down a path to where I am now. I run MB which is a podcast and blog. I have a signature course called Yoga Business Boot Camp. I work with yoga teachers one-on-one. I do web design projects. I do podcasting, freelance podcast editing, so much different stuff. And it was really that, that turning point while we were in South America and making a decision to change our lives that really brought me to where I am now. So it's been you know, four years since then. And it's been, it's been quite a journey.
0: Sounds like you have created a lot of freedom for yourselves, your lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's been very intentional I think that for me especially, I grew up with, and, and my partner as well, we both grew up with parents who owned their own businesses. So came from entrepreneurial families where we saw our parents work really hard, but we also saw some of the flexibility and freedom from that, like being able to take vacations. You know, when we were off school, my dad could take trips and, and stuff like that. And I think that just, I never really liked the fact that I was required to be somewhere at a certain time. And it's just been for me something I've been striving for, basically, since I started my career when I got out of university. And, you know, since then, we've actually been able to take all of our work online as well, which gives us even more freedom. It's the reason why we're in Mexico City. It's the reason why we can be here and continue to make an income. So yeah, I'm really grateful that we took that first trip and really saw that people were doing this and that it would could be possible for us too. It's very
0: inspiring to hear that because I know that is something that many people want to achieve and with the internet and the age that we have so much access to information and we can really begin to question that what is it really that we want to do and how do we want to create our work life and you know there's there's much more options now than 10 years or even five years ago. So it it opens a door to endless possibilities. If you really know how to create it, co-create with the universe with intentionally, like you said, you know, put your energy and your focus into it and manifest, which is great that you are doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you touched on something important there, too. It, it definitely has to be intentional, is yeah. it's not something that is super easy. And I think that that's where a lot of people who say they want to, you know, live this type of life run into problems as they kind of expect it to be easy. But I mean, no step of the way has it been easy. And it's been very rewarding. And the work has been worth it. And we've gotten to a place where, you know, we do have a lot of freedom. And we do have a lot of control over our schedules. But you do you have to be intentional and you have to put the work in and it, it might require doing crazy things like, like I've taught Chinese or taught uh, English <laughs> to Chinese kids over in China, at like crazy mm-hmm. absurd hours, just because, yeah. you know, I'm like, OK, I'm not quite at the place I want to be financially and I need to bring in some more money. So, right. yeah, sometimes you just have to do what you want to do in order to live the lifestyle that you want. I
0: full on agree. So your first podcast was a traveling podcast. Is it still exist?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've been doing it for Almost four years now, we're almost at 200 episodes. And it's called The World Wanders. And it's been a very evolutionary project. It started with us talking just about the destinations we'd been to. And then we started adding in other, you know, travel advice and travel tidbits. And then we started bringing on guests. And then we started philosophizing about deeper things around travel. And now it's kind of a, a you know, a meld of all those, those different things. And we recently just put it down to biweekly episodes. So for the last, I guess, like three and a half years, we've been doing weekly episodes. And then just at the beginning of 2018, we're like, you know what, these weekly episodes are becoming a lot. And we did this for fun. So let's do biweekly episodes.
0: In each episode, do you interview someone or is it just both of you sharing an
1: experience? It's a mixture of both. So probably about half of our episodes are interview right now and then half are just us talking. Mm -hmm. It's been a little bit more heavily towards interviews over the last couple of months just because we've been pretty stationary in Mexico. But we've been doing quite a few weekend trips in Mexico. So we have a lot of Mexican Mexico content coming down the pipeline. We just have to sit down and record it all. Tell
0: us a little bit about my MBOM podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So MBOM is a play on MBA. So it's mastering the business of yoga is is what it stands for. And it came from my own sort of struggles in the yoga industry. So when I became a yoga teacher or got my yoga teacher training, I returned from a... Intensive 30 day training over in Bali into this tiny little mountain town that I was living in in Western Canada that is full of yoga teachers, super saturated market. And because I was working for Lou 11 and already working for a studio, I was pretty well connected to the yoga community and I was able to get a couple of classes right off the get go. But I found that I was just continually struggling with how to do this full-time, how to create a sustainable career, how to negotiate pay, how to go from teaching free classes to paid classes, how to find subbing gigs, and all these different things. And I felt like I was pulling some of it from my business background, like how to create a resume, but then also looking at, okay, you know, this is how I was taught to create a resume, but does it fit with this industry? Doesn't really feel like it. Like, okay, you know, an interview is going to be more like a teaching demo. And I was kind of like making these mental notes about what was sort of different in terms of actually putting yourself out into the world as a yoga teacher And about six months into that, maybe a little bit more, I was like, this is just crazy. Like there's basically no resources for yoga teachers. And I didn't get this covered in my teacher training. And my boyfriend's like, why don't you start a podcast on it and start interviewing you know, successful yoga teachers, because there's so many successful yoga teachers, it's like pretty clear that you can be successful. Yet so many people are struggling with success. And of course, success is defined by your own terms. I don't say success in one specific way, you know, but creating these sustainable careers is often very challenging for yoga teachers.
0: So I have been listening to it, and I really enjoy it. Can you share with our audience, I know there's a lot of people who either practice yoga or love yoga or our yoga teachers as well that listen to life on earth maybe a few of like the highlights that you have encountered or something that has really stood up or maybe you know that you had a change in perspective via your podcast via the interviews
1: yeah absolutely I think a couple of the big things that stand out to me are one learning how much work goes into running a studio. and I think you can definitely attest to this as yeah. a studio owner. it's It's one of those things that when you're a practitioner, you just don't realize all of those little things that are happening in the background to make sure that, you know, it's clean when you take your shoes off and you walk in and the check-in process is smooth and your pass is all set up and then you walk in the room and it's clean and well lit and it smells nice and Mm -hmm. you understand how, you know, what's going to happen if you're a new student. And then, you know, the teacher walks in and it's a really great class and then they say bye to you and you leave having a good experience. You know, it sounds like pretty straightforward, but there's so much stuff on the back end that has to go into it. And I think that, Talking to so many different studio owners really brought that to light for me. I, I kind of already had an idea since I was a studio manager before I started MBO, but really understanding you know, how much goes into it and just having a whole new appreciation for the studios that I love. And I think a little bit of compassion for the ones that maybe I felt like when I go to, I'm like, you know, it's just missing something and having mm-hmm. compassion for that studio owner and knowing that, you know, they're probably working their face off to even get yeah. to where they are. And it's it's not an easy thing to make sure that people have that amazing experience.
0: I'm glad That's, that you're sharing that. That's so true. Because in, in your worst studio manager as well, so you ha- you have your own experiences as well with
1: that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just definitely a different appreciation, and hopefully, if there's students out there listening, they can they can have that too, uh, going <laughs> forward. And. I think the other one that stands out for me is money mindset has been a big one. It's something that I've been working on in my personal life. And also I've talked with a lot of people on the show about it seems like it's something that a lot of people in the yoga industry struggle with because money doesn't always feel like it makes mix, mixes with spirituality very well. And sometimes it feels like, you know, if I love this thing, then I should be able to do it for free. And I think that there's definitely something to say for loving something so much that you would do it for free. But at the same time, I think that it's really important to charge for your services and to charge, you know, an amount that you feel like you're going to be valued at and that you're going to walk home excited about after. And it's a challenging thing. Like society tells us how we should think of money and our parents tell us how we should think of money. And and for me, it's been a really interesting journey kind of understanding my own money stories and then also hearing from other people on the show and hearing how they have kind of overcome being comfortable asking for money without losing their authenticity or or feeling they're scamming people or doing something that's unauthentic to yoga because I think that that's you know we we all want to make money and we all want to be authentic yoga teachers so I think that that's been a big one for sure like a massive one
0: yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I also bring this up a lot in my teacher trainings, and I teach my students in the trainings. We have a whole session about that: how to value yourself and how to ask for what you, you what you're worth, and not be afraid to ask. And you know, we all live in this planet; we live in this world. Money is energy; everything is energy, and it needs to, to be just as anything else. And I, I, I also truly believe that there needs to be an exchange so if if you can't do you know money I'm always open for trades me in particular but I I like the idea that okay well then you can afford that but can you then what can you do and we can trade you know even if it's like okay I can cut your hair and you can do this I'm a hairdresser all right I'm open to that I think that's it's better than when it's just coming from one side the free, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree with that more. And, you know, trades are something I've used in my business too. Like, for example, the girl who did my logo for MBM, we actually traded some private sessions in exchange for that, that logo work. And I think that that's a fantastic way to make sure that that exchange happens. And money can just be, money is a form of energy and it is just an energetic exchange. And we always have to be thinking about, you know, if I'm not getting anything in return for this in this exchange, you know, how much energy can I keep giving? And I think that when you actually sit down with that, you know, if it's in journaling or meditation or just a quiet practice and actually think on that, I think we can all identify those moments where we feel like we've, we've put out a lot of energy and we haven't really received any energy in exchange. And we always have to have that imbalance. And that's where that valuing yourself is really important. So if you you want to get your haircut in exchange, I think that that's amazing. Or, you know, have some sort of like business work done or, or something like that. As long as that exchange is there, I think that you're good to go.
0: It's a really great concept. And even one of my Indian teachers who was very traditional in, in India many years ago, even he was a, someone who also taught me that. And at a, when I was a very young age, and I was very impressed when I when I learned that from him, because I was one of those people at the time way back that just thought, you know, well, it's yoga, then I feel weird charging or whatever. And he, in India, you know, comes from a lineage of yoga teachers and was like, no, there needs to be an exchange. And if it's not monetary, then may it be something else. And that was a big lesson, which I love.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you got that from somebody so traditional, too, because I think that's where... mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: where a lot of the hang ups come from, I think, is people are like, Well, in India they didn't charge and I'm like, yeah. Well, maybe they didn't charge monetarily, but there has to be an energetic yeah. exchange. It's well, always there.
0: And, and and really it's it depends. Like in India they don't charge. That's a very big statement, you know, because I think it really it depends on each teacher. I mean, they're all seeing them very much so charge in India and I've seen them exchange. I it's It's just like everywhere. It depends on the person, depends what you're comfortable with. And that's the same with going back to like yoga studios that you were saying, there's so many different ways that you can do things. And that's why I love your The Business of Yoga podcast with the studios, because it really shows the different how people have gone through different things and handle different things and and with that said there is no particularly like right and wrong or black and white because sometimes I say well you know this is how I do it at my studio and then another friend has a studio she does it slightly different and somebody else You know, and that's kind of the beauty also of being able to own your own business and to be your own person and to, as yoga teachers, most of us are independent contractors as well. So we can kind of navigate that by our own authenticity.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you you clarified there too, that not everyone in India is is charging, is not charging, because I think that that's, you know, an important point to make. Because yeah. everywhere in the world, there's different ways of going about that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, generalizations, it's its very, we have to be very mindful of that. And I know, as you've been traveling a lot, that's what I've noticed when I've gone to different, a lot of diversity in parts of the world. And even here, you know, in the US, everyone is so different. Everyone handles things so different. So, I, when I first opened my studio, maybe six years ago, I was booking a lot of guest teachers, you know, and and guest artists per se, and then to come present their work, whether it's yoga or drumming or whatever it was. And it was a lot of time and a lot of energy. And now, because so many things in my life, personal life, as well as business life has shifted, I can't do it as much, you know? So when I, when I do do, the percentage has to be has to reflect that, it has to be different, it has to be worth it. Because otherwise, and I think sometimes some people can be a little frustrating that, oh, why, are you, you know, you can't host more people or why can't you just host if the studio is open on a Saturday afternoon, or whatever it is, I'm giving a silly example. But in reality, it's not just the opening is the whole energy that goes with, you know, when you book someone like that for a workshop, there's a lot that's involved with advertising social media getting everything together just like imagine the classes as you know just like teacher training just everything so it really has to make sense you know because I have to go there and I have to open the door and I have to then hire cleaning and it's a lot involved you know
1: yeah yeah absolutely there's so much stuff that people just just don't realize like those those late nights those like oh, there's no toilet paper, got to go get some of that. There's (laughs) so much stuff that goes into it.
0: Yeah. And yet there might be somebody else that has a completely different scenario and situation than me with their studio. And maybe they have a, a studio manager, you know, maybe they have a social media team. And so for those people, it's, that's what they're looking for to hire guest artists and teachers and workshops the whole time. And I have been there in the past right now. I'm at a place that that's not where I am, but you know, it can change who knows where I'm going to be in six months from now. But what I've learned I guess one thing, and and I'm saying this because I want to hear your perspective too as a yoga teacher is that there, you know, it's very, so there's so many variables that we can't just expect it to be across the board just because, oh, this studio does it this way. It doesn't mean it's going to be flat out across the map,
1: you know? Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I think, I think too, it's being a yoga teacher and also a studio owner is is like this. I I mean, there's certain like You could put a business plan together and have sort of a template or an outline that's generic for that. But filling it in is going to be very different. I think that, you know, the market is going to be different everywhere. Your students are going to be different and there's different things that are going to attract them. I work for two different yoga studios right now. One of them I do studio management. One I do more like digital marketing stuff for them. And it's been really interesting just seeing how different their market is. Like one is in a small tourist town in the Canadian Rocky Mountains. The other one is right outside of D.C. in a in a wealthy area. And mm-hmm. the pricing is different. Mm-hmm. The things that people are attracted to on Facebook are different. The workshops that they want are different. The times that they'll attend classes are different. There's very little about the market that is the same outside of its people who want to practice yoga.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is so interesting to me. You know, when we go through our 200-hour uh, yoga teacher training, I do have one day that's called the business of yoga. And it's towards the end when people are almost graduated. And it's so fascinating because everyone, I mean, we there's just so many questions around it, you know. <laughs> there's so many things that come up. And, and it's, a, it's a day that everybody shows up, everybody's really interested. And at the same time, I feel like, uh, everyone feels a little kind of, uh, I don't want to say lost, but like, okay, now what do we do? (laughs) You know, we have this certification. How does this work, (laughs) you know? And it's almost like this mystery around it that it has been tabooed for so long to talk about how to do things and how to go about things. And now I think we're really kind of getting moving away from that. And you have your podcast that's totally devoted to that. It's a great tool for every all every teacher. It's a great tool, and I'll definitely
1: start recommending it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think I think too, it's the. It, you know, the yoga industry. And I know lots of people don't like to call yoga an industry, but you know, it it is in in a lot of ways, but it's changing so much. I know that, you know, the studio owner that I work for in Canada, he started teaching between 15 and 17 years ago. And as a male entering the yoga world 17 years ago, like that was like he was asked to teach. Like, I was like, how'd you find your first teaching jobs when I interviewed him? And he's like, well, I was asked to. He's like, I was asked to take a teacher training and then asked to start teaching. And I was like, well, that's a little bit different than my experience for sure. Yeah, totally. I, different. I, I think that, that when you think about how as yoga became more popular, yoga teachers were really in demand and then more and more yoga teachers came out. And I think we're kind of at this point where it is very saturated But there's still opportunity to have more and more people practicing yoga. I don't think the market's fully saturated until everyone on this planet is practicing yoga. And we're very far from that still. But I think that that's (laughs) where, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of how I like to think about it, because I feel like it, it gives us a little more hope as yoga teachers to be able to find our people. Yes. But I think that's really where this opportunity for the business of yoga has come into play is like, now we, we need more of these tools. We have this technology that allows us to reach anyone online, but we need to know how to, you know, create courses or start YouTube channels or, Things as simple as having a business Facebook page or having a website to get discovered. I mean, these are things that people didn't need 15 years ago in the industry. And so it wasn't taught in 200-hour trainings. And now we, we really need these these tools and these skills. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of where where it's coming into play right now.
0: And I love it that you even had an episode that was how to, to create your training online, how to build a training online. That's great. I listened to that. It was Thank awesome. you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, as people start looking at how to branch out their revenue streams and how to reach more people, a lot of people are turning to online, having an online audience, having an online presence. Mm -hmm. And it's just it can be so confusing. It's so overwhelming. I know the first time I made a yoga course, I was like, I do not know what I've gotten myself into.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So what do you think about social media? I mean, what do you think about, I mean, from your experience and from some of the guests that you had that I know have also covered social media, that's a question. I actually have a business of yoga. Funny enough, this coming Sunday in my teacher training, we're covering business of yoga. And that's a question that comes up a lot, like in the room. And people approach it so differently, you know, from wanting to post all the time to feeling intimidated by some of the yoga stuff that they see online to not wanting to be online, like everything, all of the above.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's it's a big topic, and it's a great question. And I think, so from my perspective, one of the things it's really important to get clear on as a yoga teacher, and especially as a new yoga teacher, is is really your intention, you know, what you want to achieve. And I think that if you're trying to do something like I'm trying to do, where, where being able to work online is important to you, or having an online component of your business, then I think that social media is pretty much a necessity. I hate, like, cornering something like that. But mm-hmm. I think that it, right now it's just it's a major player in being able to sort of attract people into the top of your sales funnel. I think that if you're if you're looking to start out with just getting a couple of classes, and you really want to hone your skills in in your town in your community, and you're not necessarily looking to be be online and you're also not feeling excited about it, I think that you can definitely get away with not being on social media. One of the things I will say with social media is trying to cut out the noise and the chatter and the chaos. You don't need to follow all the big major yoga accounts, if you're not interested in what those people have to say, you don't have to post crazy yoga photos, if that's not what you do, or not what you're interested in. It's really easy to feel like, oh, I have to be doing this, or I have to be doing that, or, you know, so and so is doing this, and they have a big following. So that's what I have to do. But I think that people are really attracted to authenticity and realness. And I think that if you can get clear on what it is that you offer, what it is that you're trying to achieve, and what it is that you want your students to know about you or what you want your followers to know about you, that's what you... That's kind of will guide you in, in terms of what you're going to post and how often you're going to post. And you'll find your people within that for sure. Like your tribe will find you and you'll find them and you'll be able to create something amazing out of that.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. That's awesome. Really, really great advice for everyone. Out of all of the advertising that is out there for yoga, yoga studio or events or you know, whatever it is that you are offering, from what you have seen or people you have interviewed, what are, in your opinion, what's the most effective ones?
1: I think it definitely needs to be a combination. And it definitely needs to be based on where your target market is. So for example, if you're looking to attract moms for like a prenatal or like a mom and baby or, or something like that, you definitely want to find the groups in your community that's are going to be kind of like the mom hubs. Like I think almost every community has some sort of like mom hub on Facebook Mm -hmm. and, you know, get into that group, make sure it's okay for you to be posting stuff and sharing that sort of stuff. But, you know, posting it in those places, Mm -hmm. creating physical posters in your community and getting them into places like the local coffee shop, the daycares, the community centers, the grocery stores, like the places where your moms are going to frequent. And then, You know, you can also do Facebook advertising. I think a lot of moms are on Facebook. So Facebook's a good place for moms. But, you know, maybe creating events for your business page, doing some advertising targeted towards moms in your community. And, and those are really great ways to kind of, you know, target that segment. For example, if you are maybe attracting teens, for example, it seems like and I'm not an expert in teens because I don't really interact with that many <laughs> teenagers. But, uh, you know, it seems like they're, they're they don't really think Facebook's cool anymore. So running Facebook ads to teens is probably not going to be as effective as maybe being on Snapchat or being on Instagram or, or you know, wherever else teens yeah. hang out. I don't really know. <laughs> but doing your research about where, where teens ha- are hanging out online and where they're hanging out offline as well. If you're looking to attract, you know, seniors, seniors are probably not that often on Instagram. And so putting your focuses into things more like those Facebook ads and really getting into the community, I think, with those people because they value that in-person connection. So basically what I'm trying to communicate is there's definitely no one right avenue. I think that Facebook is still a really solid place to start in terms of online advertising and having really great design posters that are strategically placed in your community are great if you're hosting local events and really making sure that they're in the places where your target market's going to be.
0: I wonder if there's like a resource for yoga teachers to hire designers for specific, you know, Facebook campaigns or something like that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that there's I mean, there's lots of different social media experts out there. I talked to a guy named Justin Harwood on my podcast, and he's an amazing resource. And he listed he listed a couple of resources in the episode, but I can't remember what they are off the top of my head link
0: the episode if you send it to me to the show notes that way we can look because I've, I've come across companies that will do, will say, offer me a three-month contract or a six-month and then, you know, run your campaigns and create the Facebook. But those are very, very high costly. And sometimes it's just, obviously, you have to have that kind of money to invest, you know. But if it was like a one-time thing, that'd be kind of great, too. If someone has an event that they really, hey, I just want you to work at this one thing for me, you know, and, and run with it. That would be something really cool. I think a lot of people would appreciate that.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be a great service. And I think also yeah. like Upwork, Upwork is like a fabulous online tool for finding uh, really affordable freelance work. So, I think that might be a good place also to go on and just Google like Is it Facebook similar ad than campaign. Fiverr? It is, but I think Upwork is a little bit more varied because Fiverr is pretty specific, I think, in terms of what they offer. I think Upwork is a little bit better in terms of quality just based on my personal experiences. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a similar sort of idea as Fiverr.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a great resource for everyone who hasn't uh, checked out those kind of websites as well. I also, one thing I've been contemplating lately and actually doing a little bit of, it's trading with... If there's a company that you really like and they would like to trade with you a post, so you can guest host a post for them say on your Instagram and they can guest host a post for you on you know their Instagram assuming that it's in alignment with, you know, benefiting both. I think that's a really great way to also do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. I think like any way that you can get people engaged or reach out to new people, or yeah, again, an yeah. exchange. It's like reaching out to another small exactly. business and saying like, "You're my audience would like what you're doing, and your yeah. audience would like what I'm doing. Let's like let's promote each other and help each other out."
0: Mm-hmm. And I say that again. I guess I mentioned it in in alignment with the conversation we were having with the exchange because I've had a lot of different. Different angles coming at me and and asking, Hey, can you share this or can you do it? And I've always, you know, as much as I can, of course I would. And then I started realizing, you know what? Like, what about, like, I have a ton of stuff to promote as well, you know? So if somebody is reaching out to me and asking, I'm gonna say, yeah, but can you also do this for me, which is an exchange, you know, and that's feel like it's fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Again, making sure that exchange feels balanced for sure is important.
0: Yeah. So out of all the places that you've been so far, what's your favorite? Do you have any or do you have a few?
1: (laughs) I have a couple. That's such a hard question all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple. I love Mexico City. I have fallen completely in love with this city and country in general. And I already was obsessed with Mexican food. So that definitely helped when I got here that I I really enjoy their food. I love Japan. Japan was a country I visited last year and completely fell in love with in a way that I didn't expect I thought that I would like Japan because I'd heard really great things about it but just a phenomenal place to visit and then my third would be Bali I did my yoga teacher training in Bali there's something special about that island I went back last year and spent two months there and it's just it's just an incredible place to be for sure
0: oh wow that'd be a great place to like go live and and work you know remotely (laughs) from as well yeah yeah
1: yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's got enough tourism that you can eat like you can eat raw vegan and feel really great and go to yoga classes and everything's super affordable. So I felt like quality of life was really good. Weather is relatively good. Rainy season's a little bit rainy, mm-hmm. of course, but yeah, weather is great. There's so much on the island. You can find like the rice terraces, there's beach, there's surfing. There's just, it, ha- it has it all just on this tiny little, tiny little island.
0: What part of Bali are you in?
1: I did my yoga teacher training in Chenggu And then mm. last year, my boyfriend and I spent two months based in Ubud.
0: Mm. And which was your favorite?
1: I really liked Ubud. I I think they were good for different things. I do really love the beach, but I also find when I'm trying to work, the beach is really distracting. So we were definitely trying to work when we were there last year, and it was nice to just take the trips to the beach. Seminyak is only about an hour away from Ubud, so it's it's not hard to get to at all. It's not like you're being... Deprived of beach time or anything like that, and you get gorgeous weather in Ubud, anyways. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm a big fan of Ubud. The food there is incredible. The yoga studios are amazing, and super affordable to live a great life.
0: So what is in your horizon now? Is there anything that you're working on or that you're really excited about in your, one of your creations or courses or online stuff or podcast?
1: Yeah, definitely. So continuing the podcast, which is super exciting. I get you know the chance to talk to people like yourself and, and so many incredible, amazing people. It's seriously like the highlight of my week is actually getting to record my podcast episodes. So continuing that, I recently in February, I launched a 12 module signature course called yoga business bootcamp. So that is a relatively new program that I'm offering. And I'm, I'm really excited to continue just working on it, growing it, adding more content to it, just making it better and better. It, I think that when you put stuff out, it's kind of this relief of like, oh, okay, I've finished, but I don't know if anyone's like me, it's like never really done. Like you're always like, oh, I could add this. Like I want to teach them this. I think we have to have this module. We need to add this. So I've been continuously adding and, and making some, some improvements to it since I launched. So I'm going to continue that over the coming months and, and, Probably years, I would assume, for as long as I keep it up there.
0: Yeah, and And that's the beauty about online stuff. You can always kind of edit, take in, put out, and change something.
1: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And I think that that's a good lesson to anyone out there who is maybe thinking about launching something but feels a little bit uncertain or just doesn't know know, if it's going to be good enough. Putting it out there is better than making it perfect and knowing that you can always add, change, improve, that sort of thing is is really great. In terms of other things I'm doing, we're wrapping up our time in Mexico. It'll be about seven and a half months by the time we leave and heading home to Canada for the summer. We live in a really beautiful part of Canada and a really cold part of Canada as well. So uh, we spend summers there over the last couple of years, that's what we've done. So we're going to do that again this year. And then we have some adventures on the horizon for the rest of 2018. And then I'm actually doing a 300-hour teacher training in 2019, which I'm super, super excited about.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I just confirmed it and just got accepted. So yeah, that's going to be a really exciting adventure for the first couple of months of, of 2019 for me. And I'm excited to... Really step into the place of a student, not that I ever left that place, but really excited to dive deep with some more learning about yoga.
0: Yeah, well, congratulations on all of your uh, accomplishments, the many of the ones you have and living your most authentic life and, you know, stepping into this place of freedom, of being able to explore the wonders of life and grow. And that's awesome to watch. I love it.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: There's a lot of people, just like we were talking about uh, social media and also the podcast world, just lots of people now starting new podcasts. Is there any advice? I mean, since you have two and one already has over 200 op- episodes. What's your advice for anyone that's starting a new podcast or in the beginning phases or some some of your highlights or some of your not so much highlights or, you know, how we can handle the struggles or however it appears?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, one of the biggest things I would say is, is again, just like I was saying before, is having it out there is better than perfect. It's you're always going to be improving things and getting better and It's one of those things that always is always going to be a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me when I first started podcasting, if you don't cringe at your first episode, you haven't improved. And Mm -hmm. I can certainly attest to the fact that I've cringed at all of my first episodes. And I'm sure and I hope Mm -hmm. that I'll continue to, you know, cringe at my 200th episode when I'm in episode (laughs) 400. Um, So definitely just just going for it. I think that like listening to your own voice and listening to yourself talk is a really interesting thing to embark on. It's easy to be super critical, but I think it's also a great way to improve your speech and to kind of learn those little habits that you have when you talk and to, to just improve how you talk in general. And also know that getting that listening to yourself talk gets easier. I promise it does. Um, <laughs> I'm not even phased by my own voice anymore. Whereas the first my boyfriend and I, when we first launched the World Wanderers, like, we're like, we should really listen to this to see how we could improve. And we turned it on in the car, which was like a horrible idea. So it's on the speaker that's super loud. And we listened to like maybe a minute and a half. And we were just both sitting there so tense. And I was like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can listen to any more that of this. That is so we He's like, we got to turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that funny. definitely gets easier. And then I think yeah. just don't worry about feeling like, oh, somebody else is already doing this or this this niche is saturated if you've got something to say it's going to be your own voice it's going to be your own show it's going to be different from anyone else's and to just just do it because I think that people get really caught up in like oh this space is really saturated this Mm -hmm. you know there's already somebody doing something similar but you know if you don't get out there and share your thing you're not giving the world like your unique, authentic perspective. And I think that we should all share our uniqueness with the world.
0: Yes, it's a form of creativity. It's a form of expressing yourself. It's a form of exploring, again, life and, you know, growing. And I love everything that you mentioned about it. And also the fact that saturated, I mean, even with the yoga studios, a lot of times I like to use this analogy, when you're say you're saturated with like a yoga studio in town sure there's a lot now and there's a lot of yoga teachers but we don't say oh there's a dentist office on this corner why is there another dentist office down the block <laughs> you know or like there's a doctor's office here and I mean yeah it's total that you can have as many pharmacies as you like you can have as many a uh, doctor. in fact I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times like Walgreens, I'm talking in the United States, we have like Walgreens will open like right across the street from Rite Aid, you know, and that's actually a thing because they'll do it like purposely because it actually, it's attracting the people that is going to go to that, you know. So, yeah, which is yeah, really absolutely. interesting because I've sat head in my trainings, people think, well, if a studio is open here, I'm not going to, well, there's something to that, but there's also, you are your own thing. You are your own authentic you know, self, and hopefully, if you're really following now, if you're opening something right by someone and you're copying everything that they're doing, I don't recommend that. <laughs> you know, I don't recommend that you you do that anyhow, anyway. But in I used to live in in L.A., California, in Venice Beach, there was a studio every half a block, I believe. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. and there was it didn't seem to me it was they were the classes were all. Everyone was doing their own thing and getting their own people and their their communities were certainly thriving and st- probably still are, you know. So, yeah, keep yeah, doing whatever yeah. you're doing cuz it's fine. The world is big
1: enough for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me and joining Life on Earth podcast. Is there anything else that you like to share with our community?
1: I think just just Go out and live your truth and know that your truth is going to be different from, you know, yours and from mine. And if something excites and inspires you and you've been thinking about doing it, you know, whether it's a yoga teacher training or starting a business or quitting your job to travel the world or buying a house or getting married, whatever it is that really lights you up inside and that you feel excited about, you should just go for it because life is so much better when you do things that you love to do.
0: Thank you, Amanda. That's so beautiful. I uh, certainly recommend all of the listeners in our community to, if you want to, you know, hear more on Amanda and all the amazing episodes that she has on her podcast, I recommend MB Ohm. I have not listened yet to your traveling podcast, but I look forward to that. And can you tell us the name of that again?
1: Yeah, it's The World Wonders.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. And is there, how can everyone get a hold of you? Is there an Instagram that you can share? or Facebook? or Yeah, both.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm Amanda Kingsmith on Facebook, you can just add me as a friend, if I don't know you just maybe just send me a message and let me know, you know, where where you're coming from, so that I approve you. You can join my private Facebook community. If you're a yoga teacher, it's called yoga business badasses, you can just Google that and or not Google, like search it in Facebook search engine and find it there. You can find me at Info at mbomyoga.com, mbomyoga.com, and mastering the business of yoga on Facebook and Instagram. And
0: in your course? Did you say that already?
1: Oh yeah, that's uh, mbomyoga.com forward slash yoga business bootcamp or yogabusinessbootcamp.teachable.com.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, have so much fun in Mexico and happy Cinco de Mayo. <laughs>
1: thank you thank you so much thank you for having me today
0: oh thank you so much for for you know being and sharing your energy with our community much love and
1: peace bye okay bye